0: Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back to Sunday Wire. You're listening to Sunday Wire live on AlternateCurrentRadio.com. Thank you for joining us for this very special edition of Sunday Wire. I am your guest host filling in for Patrick Henningsen. I'm the producer over here. My call sign is Hesher. Thanks, everybody, for joining us once again. And uh, we are going to uh, be getting some more live reporting Over here from uh, outside the prison where Assange is being held, the Bellemarsh Prison, uh, also known as the Gitmo of the United Kingdom. So it doesn't exactly sound like a nice place to be. Definitely not. So uh, I'm going to bring in our next guest here. We've got Lee Stranahan joining us, and he is uh, currently the host of Fault Lines FM and AM Drive Time in Washington, D.C., and Sputnik Radio, and he is out there with Patrick at Bella Marsh and calling in to do some live reporting with us. Lee, welcome to Sunday Wire. How are you?
1: Yeah, I'm doing great. Really really pleased to be on. By the way, I call it Ritmo. That's what I call it. Gritmo.
0: <laughs> Gritmo. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah.
1: And it it is, a, it is a big, scary facility, by the way. It really is. It's one of those, like, giant, you know, giant walls surrounding the place. And uh, Julian Assange is in there with, you know, serial killers and terrorists. So that's nice.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is uh, this is serious. This is not your local, uh, you know, jail that you get put in with the, you know, you got the drunk tank next to you. I mean, this, this is uh, no. serious business where he's at right here.
1: No, it really is. It really is. And I think it just shows how, you know, one of the things I see, the media reaction to this has been fascinating, of course. And uh, as, you know, Pat, as Patrick found out this morning, we did a radio hit. The media's goal right now is to turn this into a rape case. That's their that's their goal, right? Because they feel like, and you, you see it over here, where I think a number of MPs signed a letter, and they're trying to turn it into a Me Too uh, rape thing. And obviously the, the, the U.S. did not indict Ass- Assange hours after he was ripped out of the embassy on a rape charge. It's not that they're concerned about women's rights. The U.S. is not a... Not known for that, and uh, and so you know what's going on is this is all uh, a show. This is all a—I mean, it's real, but it's a show to to send a message to anybody trying to do factual anti-war journalism. Uh, watch out! This is what could be coming for you.
0: Yeah, it's like a a, a hideous dog and pony show, essentially uh, fabricated to scare. Journalists and citizen journalists and people on Twitter, even as Patrick pointed out in the previous segment, I mean it's yep. it's ridiculous, and for them to to try to lean on the uh, the 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 debunked the the untenable sexual assault case is really pathetic. I mean, what they're doing there is they're going for the the most low hanging fruit of news consumers out there that there are the ones the 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 hashtag opinion people the people that latch on to something like hashtag me too and then that can just be wielded uh in any case and we know exactly who the villain is because uh you know they're they're anti me too allegedly
1: well and look on the right the way this is going to play out because you can already see it on fox and what i've been i've been over here since uh friday morning so i've missed some of the Gosh darn it, I miss some of the media coverage but uh, in, in the States. But what I'm seeing is that Fox and the right seem to be going in on this, like, well, he's against the troops and so on. And uh, uh, so, you know, what, what you'll see here, there's a term for it in information warfare, which is full-spectrum dominance, right? They, don't, they got one message for the left, they got one message for the right, but the, but the message is the same, which is, well, you know, this guy deserves to be locked away forever. And, uh, and we'll see how it plays with the public, you know, so far, uh, I think a lot of the public is going to buy into it for now. We'll see how it plays out, but you know, I felt it was really important to be out here. Uh, and that's why it's so great that Patrick came up from where he, where he lives, uh, and to see people like George Galloway or, uh, you know, former MP, great George Galloway, Chris Williamson is an MP, uh, to see those people come out to Belmarsh, which is out of the way, by the way, it's not, you know, it took, it took Patrick and I 40 minutes by car to get here from central London. So it's not like an easy spot to go protest, if that makes sense. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, but to see people come out was great. That was great.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm glad there are people there. Patrick sounded, we made him, uh, give a guesstimate. I always hate giving guesstimates of crowd sizes, but he said it was, you know, somewhere approaching a hundred people, and that's decent. That's good. I would like it to be more like, you know, a giant crowd of 50,000 people, of course. But, uh, it's, it's good that people are out there and, and, you know, bring, giving voice to this because this is, uh, as I said on my show on Thursday, this is the Fourth Estate in crisis. And it's not like this is, uh, a, a new thing that the Fourth Estate is, uh, in jeopardy and crisis. But this, this is a benchmark. This is a benchmark in, uh, getting people to self-censor, to scaring people into not wanting to right. talk to whistleblowers, and that's really dangerous.
1: And, and again, that's part of why I felt uh, very strongly as a journalist that I have to come out, because you know the way to deal with bullies is not to cower in fear. The way to deal with bullies, and that's what we're dealing with here, uh, we're dealing with the, the Chicken Hawk Military Industrial Complex, uh, who you know the fortunate sons who would never go into uh, war themselves for the most part <laughs> they would they would not want to get involved in that, but they 're fine with sending other people 's kids or other countries' people 's kids uh, in to do their battles for them and also by the way, the other thing that they 're doing now, which is uh, very important, is they 've used economic sanctions in place of conventional traditional warfare. I think after Vietnam, they learned that if you send home body bags, Americans start to not like it. And that's where you get those big, gigantic protest crowds. So they've learned to use the old siege warfare tactic, you know, when they would try to take castles, where if you can't take the castle, well, maybe you can starve them out. You know what I mean? Maybe we can cut off their supply lines. It's an old tactic. They're doing it now. Uh, We've started to do that in Venezuela. America started to do that in Venezuela obviously with the economic sanctions we're not you know like i say we're not going in there militarily we're, we're sort of saber rattling people like john Bolton have been saber rattling but they're not going to go in there and again they know if they do that that's going to make americans start well oh, wait a second my kids going where why are we going into venezuela this seems like a regime change war the kind of thing that trump was elected basically on ending and uh and so uh i i think for a lot of Trump supporters especially. Uh, This has been a real watershed moment. And I'm not going to say all of them, but I got to tell you, in Trump's position, even losing 20% of his support, that's significant. You know, that's significant. And I think he's probably going to lose about 20% of his support. I already said I can no longer, this is way too, a bridge too far for me to be even uh, tentatively Trump supporting at this point. Uh, I'm I'm not unhappy. I voted for him against Hillary Clinton. I think if Hillary Clinton had been elected, I would have been out here about 18 months ago. Um, uh, but that being said, uh, we can do better. And and in that sense, I was I was I was very happy last night to see uh, Tulsi Gabbard send out a mailer on this issue. Actively, now again, it's a fundraiser. She's a politician. Blah blah blah. I'm not, you know, naive. But, on the other hand, this is the right issue for her to be talking about. And sure sure enough, she was talking about it.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, Patrick and I were talking about, you know, the information, the actual information that has been published by WikiLeaks, by Assange, and none of it has been bad. So it really, you know, I really want to impress that upon the listeners. It doesn't matter... Whether you support the Democrats or the Republicans, or whether you're you know outside both parties, you're independent, whatever. The information that has been provided and published by Assange, uh, all of it has, I should say, none of it has ever been shown to be fake or you know fabricated or anything wrongly reported, and all of it has given voters regardless of their political lean has given them context realistic context for what is going on in politics and what is going on in war and in the military industrial complex and in our foreign policy and you know everybody should some of it may be a little uh, uncomfortable or or distasteful or make your uh, political party look bad but these are things that citizens should know and should be glad to know regardless of uh, you know who they vote for or whether they're red or blue or, or purple for that matter
1: no I g- agree and I can to tell you I' like on the uh, the, uh, the Podesta leaks and the other the other election related leaks the people who should be most upset about that frankly are Bernie Sanders supporters the people who should be most upset about that and in some cases were right and the 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 more independent progressives who came out, and I'm talking about and again, I don't have to agree with them on everything, but people like Michael Tracy or Glenn Greenwald or, or whatever have co- have come out on the right side of this. And uh, but unfortunately, way too many Democrats, way too many Democrats, just fell like sheep into this. And I think it's I think it's uh I think it's important and scary because people need to realize. That the anti-war movement in the United States has been absolutely decimated. There is no organized anti-war movement who is capable of getting out a big fifty thousand-person crowd at all. And I say this because I've interviewed people like Brian Becker, who's uh, one of, another co-host at uh, Ball Lines, is behind the Answer Coalition, right? Or Medea Benjamin, we've had on my show a number of people. And I always ask him you know, these are you know Cindy Sheehan, we've had on the show, and and I always say okay, well, what's the state of the anti-war movement? They all say there is no anti-war movement. And it got killed. People need to be aware of how it got killed. It got killed by, I think, the checkbook. I think that you had a lot of uh, NGO funding from Soros. So George Soros, not that he's a boogeyman, because people like to downplay that too, but George Soros does two things. He funds the institutional left in the United States, the big groups, ACLU, who again did a statement. Great, that it's good they came out with it. But he funds the ACLU and the NAACP and all these other uh, traditional big left groups. But he also funds the Atlantic Council, and uh, that should raise concerns for for people who are again left and anti-war. But but. He was able to do it. The problem is, people—it's hard to avoid picking up that check. You know what I mean? If, if, yeah. if, 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 if Soros is offering your group a million bucks, uh, and he's aware of this, he did a great interview on Charlie Rose, like nine in the nineties, and Soros was actively talking about this. He said, "Look, the danger." He didn't say "look." Probably he doesn't talk that way. But he said, "The danger of philanthropy." is that if you give money, people tend to do what you want. Even without, You don't have to say to them, hey, stop talking about war. You don't have to say that. If they know that's your position and they want to keep getting the check, uh, they kind of know their place. You know what I mean? And so it's a real danger right now, and I I think it's something that people should be really aware of and really concerned of, especially on the left. The right's got its own set of problems, uh, mainly Fox News right now. I'll be honest with you, Fox News has such a stranglehold monopoly on things in terms of the right media, that if Fox says something, everybody else on the right kind of falls in line. The Breitbarts and Daily Callers, they kind of go along with it. And uh, there's a couple of independent reporters over there, but not many.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's really freaky there. And you mentioned the Atlantic Council and the Atlantic Council. I mean, we've talked about them many times, and and they're basically NATO. I mean, that is basically NATO. Yeah, they are NATO, yeah. which is basically the military industrial complex. You know, they represent the intelligence agencies and uh, you know the pro-war lobbies, if you will, the pro the war industry. So you know, to to have that going on, and not only that, we've now got the Atlantic Council. Uh, in bed with Facebook, you know Facebook is using their digital forensics lab as a means yes. of um, calling out people and you know trying to be the arbiters of of what 's true and what 's not and what 's allowed to be talked about in social media by by just everyday people out there you know so i mean these are <laughs> these are not philanthropists these are pieces no. cogs in in the the military industrial complex.
1: No, that's that's exactly right, and and you, people should realize too that this has been going on uh, for years. This is this is not recent. What I think is happening is I think the well, two things. Let's 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 look short term, long term, right? So let's look at the past three months. Clearly, this Assange thing comes after three months of the neocon expansion inside the Trump administration. We've seen aggression against Venezuela. We've seen aggression on the Ukraine front, with Pompeo out there actively pitching this. And I think they are desperately worried right now that Trump is going to start to realize that he's been hoodwinked by these neocons, who, by the way, hate his guts. let's, Let's be clear on that, too. The neocons hate Trump. Kagan switch uh, Robert Kagan, Victoria Newland's husband, you know, one of the shining stars in the neocon movement, literally said he's stopped being a Republican because of Trump. So these these people, Bolton, Pompeo, they actually don't like him at all. They they realize how to play Trump, which is pretty easy to figure out, which is if you if you butter him up, right? And you don't attack him, he's under attack by everybody, so he's going to like you, you know? And so I think they're desperately worried that he's going to figure out he's going along with a policy that, frankly, most of his base, if you put it up to a vote, would go, nope, don't agree with that, don't want regime change wars, we're sick of that, don't want... This is politics as usual. Trump has become uh, indistinguishable at this point from Hillary Clinton. He's, he's, he's more delayed in his foreign policy but he's become uh, indistinguishable from Hillary Clinton. So I, after the Assange thing happened, I was a uh, uh, Trump supporter in 2016. But I said, I, I'm done. I'm, I, the, the Assange arrest made me say, maybe he can, maybe he can win me back. Maybe, but he's going to have to win me back at this point. There's no longer any default support. And uh, and and I look, I, I I voted for Obama in LA. And I felt the same sense of betrayal very quickly uh, with Obama. So, so, but I think I think we're seeing a period where uh, the the rise of populism around the world is is uh, there, there's no, the central focus of that right now should be on Assange. And and we'll see. But it's like I say, great to see people here, and great also since Patrick's not standing around me. I'll uh, I'll talk about him <laughs> uh, I had such a great conversation Patrick and I hung up for about seven or eight hours yesterday and just talked and talked and talked about news and it was so fantastic he's, he's a frequent guest on my radio show but just to stand around and you know uh, you know uh, just talk just to chat for so long with a guy who knows so much was really amazing. And and I've met a lot of amazing people out here even just today. There is a movement. People need to get going on it. This is the way of the future. Populism is the way of the future. It is time to stand up against the elites now and make your voice heard.
0: <clears throat> Absolutely, Lee. That's a great point. And I think um, just to drive that one home a little bit, uh, one of the things that I've been keenly interested in and have done a number of broadcasts about uh, is the fact that If you look at the pre-Trump era and you look at what the uh, Council on Foreign Relations was concerned with, what Davos was concerned with, what the Bilderberg Group was concerned with, uh, it was always just, you know, stay the course, uh, you know, regime change, globalization, all these, you know, the things that have been suffocating uh, actual liberty and freedom and uh, development in other countries. And, and now, in the Trump era, their meetings for the last two years have been drastically shifted. And they have had uh, topics such as how to combat populism. In, in, yes. You know, I mean, it's, it's literally the thing that these uh, military-industrial complex slash, slash imperialists slash Atlanticist Think tanks and groups and military organizations have been focusing on ever since Trump was elected and people started. There was this, uh, you know, this this rush of people in the United States that actually were were taken in by the make America great again by let's, you know, clean our own house and and not. You know, waste our young people's lives and our money going to other countries doing regime change, doing all these shady activities, funding sketchy terrorists and jihadis in, in foreign countries in the Middle East and flooding them into, you know, countries they want to see regime change in for, for military and monetary, uh, reasons. You know, so, I mean, this is, this is a big deal and it's, uh, it's kind of scary to sit here at my desk out here in central Texas, you know, just some metalhead from California who's got his eye on on the news for the last few years here since I've been doing alternate current radio and to think, oh my god, Lee, myself, Patrick, Mike and, you know, a number of other small organizations out there. Um you out there on Twitter, you out there on Facebook as just a citizen posting stuff, uh are we really the are we all that is of the nonpartisan anti-war movement i mean is it really just us it's it's insane for me to think that you know we can't that there aren't organizations that are are bringing you know more than 80 people to to stand out there and show their support for Assange and and for free speech and for anti-war well
1: i, I also i think it's time for people to uh, this is the, the, the takeaway from this to me is it's time for people to stand up and lead, right? In other words, I, I know what you're saying. And so the way I always view it is, okay, well, what can I do? Like, am, am I doing enough? You know what I mean? I'm not waiting for somebody. I'm not waiting for some organization to come along and save me because it's not going to happen. So maybe I need to start the organization. Maybe I need to call for an action. Maybe I need to do something. And I think if enough people do that, and if they start to get together, because you, you obviously you can't build a movement's not one person, right? Right. A movement's a movement. But I see it coming together now, and I will say, Assange has been at the center of that. Without anti-war being in his name, just these the, the, the Unity for Jay events that they've been doing for the past year, which I've been honored to be part of a number of them, boy, you see from liber- Ron Paul libertarians to Marxist, right? To every, every stripe in between, right? And, uh, but they all are united on this issue because they realize that there is no capitalism. There is no economy at, at, at communism at Davos. Those people, the elites, they, they're in favor of no regulations if it helps them. And they're in favor of all the regulations if it helps them. They have no principled position whatsoever. It's purely about keeping money and power, and they're very good at it. But what they're terrified about is shows like this, the internet. Now people have the means to research and broadcast and everything else, and they are scared to death that they can't stop it. And that's what's happening. They cannot stop.
0: It. That's right. That's right, folks. Uh, if you have a computer. That's probably all you need. If you have a smartphone, that is probably all you need to be involved in this. It is uh, it is very dangerous to them, for sure. And, you know, I mean, I, I I suppose that's what this is all about. This is all about getting people to self-censor uh, in out of fear. That's right. Out of fear.
1: That's exactly right. Yeah, but, but that's, you know, you, you can't give... You can't give in to that. And that's why even if it's just sending out a message today on social media, free Assange, you know, even if that's it, even if that's all you're doing today, do something today. People can do something today and then try to bring your friends into it and just say, look, this is not even about whether you agree with Assange on that story or that story, whatever. People have their own opinions on things, that's fine. This is about, as, as uh, George Galloway said, and he, he I got to tell you, So uh, Patrick did a speech, and I did a speech out there, and then George Galloway spoke at the end. I am glad I did not have to go after that dude. George, 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 I told him. I said, George, I can't. How could anyone follow you? He did a barn burner of a speech out there. He did a barn. George George is a great orator. And boy, he killed it today. And I hope people look for that on video. I'm going to put up some of it on my Twitter feed very soon. Uh, but, boy, that whole speech, about six, seven minutes, he said, look, you know, journalism is, and I, I can't do it with this, the great George Galloway accent, but I will tell you, he rolls his office. That's what he does. And I can't even, I, I hurt myself just now doing that. But he just, he just said, look, journalism is about the truth. It's about finding the truth and reporting it. He said, if that is what's outlawed, we all might as well go in that prison right now. And he's right. He's right. If you can't report the truth, what's the point? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? What's What's the point? And so, you know, I had mentioned it. I said, look, journalism, I'll tell you. I got to tell you, Hesher, it was amazing. Uh, it was thinking that Julian Assange was, you know, a few hundred yards from where I was. Does that make sense? I don't know. if I'm, I'm conveying this right it's one thing to say it's it's i've been in washington dc we talk about assange all the time on my radio show that's easy to think about that guy being that close to me at that point was chilling and again i don't know if i am conveying it the same the same feeling i had covered the ame church shooting and i was like 10 feet from the church where people died it was just like you just kind of go well this is weird you know what i mean yeah and uh it's really powerful to be out here right now thinking that I was I mean, right now I'm I'm a mile away from Julian you know, whatever. We're close are close to where Julian Assange is. It's amazing. And and people really need to uh people really need to wake up. This if they can do this to Julian Assange, uh, what are they gonna do to me and you? You know what I mean? Yeah. if they can do this to a guy with the cameras on, there's nothing. There's nothing they what would, what would keep them from imprisoning uh, you, you or I? Nothing. Nothing at all. And so the only thing that's going to stop it is enough people saying nope, this is not going to happen. We're opposed to this. You need to change your mind and uh, not go go somewhere else and do something else because this is not happening.
0: Yeah, I mean I, I can only imagine. I, I'm getting chills just sitting here in, in Texas, you know, thousands of miles away looking at the uh, the front of the HMP Bella Marsh prison here I mean it is it's yeah. scary and then you know reading this article about that place I mean uh, people that are imprisoned here they're basically in solitary confinement uh, yes know, they don't get much time at all is very it's it's uh, described as extremely claustrophobic and there's access to uh you know, they have a gym and a library, but it sounds like access is very, very restricted. And it says uh, yeah. that, that prisoners there said they usually spend less than two hours out of their cells in a week. One yeah, well, I week. hope
1: they... Galloway was on the... the uh, we were all on the mega, you know, megaphone. And boy, I hope they heard it. You know, and I hope the guy Julian heard it. And I hope he knows people are out there. And he does have support all around the world. And uh, it's just amazing. But, you know, one thing I've been saying is if this were a movie, don't think that this was the last scene. The last scene was not Julian being pulled out. That's like the 10-minute point. That's the point in the movie where they've set up stuff. Okay, he's pulled out. Now the rest of the movie should be about getting that guy out of the situation and the good guy's win. That's the movie we should be rooting for here. Let's, let's make this the, that reality. You know, he's. I'll say this: There's one good thing about, about him being out of the Ecuadorian embassy. I think he's probably getting some health care and stuff like that in prison, right? So, at least that's good. Now, there's nothing else good. <laughs> right. There's nothing else good about it. And if, if they can stop the U.S. extradition, uh, that's going to be huge. And it's such clearly, it's so clearly uh, a violation of international law and everything else that that I think it's possible. But again, it's up to people, and it's up to you. And just sitting around being cynic, not you, Asher, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but but if, if people sit around and they're cynical and just are like, well, there you go, that's what they do. And then, well, what, what have you done? What action have you taken? And again, even if it's just uh, supporting Hass- Assange through the hashtag, that's better than pure cynicism.
0: Right. Yeah, I totally agree. You know, that hashtag, that conversation that you have at the dinner table with friends or family who may be uh, transfixed by the mainstream media's take on this or, you know, hyper-partisan takes on this uh, to the right or to the left. You know, those are really important, and those are one of the things that we like to encourage over here you know, and, you know, I was also thinking, uh, you know, that they're saying that if, if he is extradited and, uh, you know, he's facing maybe five years in, in prison here in the United States, which of course is, uh, you know, probably a lot less than in actuality would happen, you know, because that's like one charge. And if they actually get him extradited, it could turn into something much uglier in that grand jury because, you know, grand juries are not like normal, normal court proceedings.
1: Well, I, you know, I were another host at, uh, at, at uh, reading Sputnik is John Kiriakou, who of course was the whistleblower, former CIA officer, uh, who was the whistleblower on the uh, torture and spent in time in prison. He's faced the same judge that Assange is going to face. Here. And he said, there's no way if, if Assange is extradited, it is a fait accompli, he will be found guilty. And he he said the first thing that they will do is they will fly Assange back, and they will offer him a deal, and the deal's just going to get worse and worse. <laughs> 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 and 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 he said this judge uh, is uh, you know a hundred percent conviction rate basically on these espionage cases. And he also talked about how they seal the courtroom; they literally seal uh, they 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 tape off the doors and windows and everything. And uh, he said, it's just a nightmare. So he, he had talked about this. People have to realize this is a very serious situation for, for Julian right now. But if the extradition to the U S can be stopped somehow. And you know, it, when he was first arrested, I came over that night. So he was arrested on Thursday morning. So I came over that night and people were telling me you're, <laughs> He's probably not going to be there by the time you get there. So, okay, so the um, you know the good thing right now is it's going a little slower than people thought. In other words, he's got a hearing on the extradition hearings in May, right? Okay, there's a couple of weeks to do things, and people should be doing things in those couple of weeks. This is a really crucial period right now, but again, it's, it's not the time to get cynical. Uh, that time is after he's extradited. Because then it's really a That is probably a lost cause. Uh, But even then, you know, you keep fighting. But right now, let's just keep the eye on the prize and try to keep him from being extradited to the U.S.
0: Yeah, I mean, this guy has essentially already been in jail, been on sort of a house arrest for seven years, and it's not like he was living it up over there in the Ecuadorian office. He was confined to a room with a bed, a table, a donated treadmill and no natural light so and you know and no health services as you pointed out so i mean that is uh, a pretty brutal existence right there and if he's up for 5 years which i don't even believe that claim i believe that if they get him over here it's going to get a lot worse than that real quick like you pointed out there with the the deals they're willing to offer but uh,
1: 100% guaranteed 100% gu- these are placeholder charges yeah. and you know why the reason, the reason why is they can't extradite Assange if he's going to be facing torturous conditions. That's one of the rules, you know, international law. They can't do that. So if they think Assange is going to be locked away forever, England can't extradite him. Does that make sense? Like, they can't do it. So what they're doing is they're playing the, the bait-and-switch game, which is, oh, no, no, we're just, it's just going to be five years. Then once they extradite him, then they up the charges. And everybody knows the game. The Brits know the game. Ecuador, who got the, what, $1.2 billion, uh, mil, I forget what it was.
0: It was but
1: they, the they got a big IM, IMF loan, right? Yeah. So, you know, million, billion, it's nothing to them. But to me, it's real money. But they got the big IMF loan. Shame on Ecuador. Shame on the U.S. Shame on the U.K. Shame on Australia. Um, and shame, really, on the journalism profession. Shame on the... This crowd should have been 500 people bigger today because journalists should have come out, and they didn't. And it's shameful, but okay. It just, they just proved they're not journalists.
0: Yeah. Yeah, they really did. I mean, it's absurd. If Even if they did, and I agree with you, it is not going to be a five-year thing if, if he comes over here. No way. Sort sh- no of Sort of something insane like, you know, Trump commuting his sentence or pardoning him, uh, which could you know potentially trump if you're out there listening uh, that's your move right there that that could be the only way to you know maintain that that 20% of of your base but uh i mean yeah. i don't know about that that's i guess that remains to be seen what what the the trump response is actually going to be long term but all that aside even if it was only the 5 years that uh the they're, they're claiming he would get here plus Plus the seven that he's already been. I mean, that's that's twelve years too much and uh, cruel and unusual yeah, punishment. Yep.
1: yep. Yeah. Completely agree. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, well, uh, I don't know. I mean, what? Uh, what do you? Do you have any? Do you want to make any speculation? Like, what? What do you think is going to happen? Or, or are we just going to be on the edge of our seats until in the, the next few weeks here?
1: I'm going to be active. You know, A lot of people I talk about, they see this as a turning point or an inflection point in this story, where it's time for people to step up, make their voice heard, and start to organize. And so I think if people, and and I'll tell you, I'll tell you where I think the organizing could come from and the form it could take, is uh, the IT and hacker community, the tech community. Uh, So imagine this. Um, Imagine if we could get some sort of workable work stoppage where you ask tech workers around the world, take next Monday off just one day, take one day off just as a show of force to show people that there's a lot of people out there who support Assange. I'm not saying take a, take three weeks off. I'm not saying put your job in complete peril or anything like that. But if tech workers would take one sick day across the world, for instance, uh, that's the kind of action I think would make people start to notice. Things like that need to happen. Things like that need to happen. And, and again, people need to organize those things. And people need to step up. So th- that's what I say. I'm, you know, I'm not on the edge of my seat. I'm out of my seat, and uh, in this case in England right now, and really thinking every day about, okay, what's, what's what can we do today? What's the move today? And uh, so being out here at this protest was great but if you weren't here and and you know obviously most people aren't at least retweet the stuff if you know if you see a bit of the speech or something spread it watch the speech watch what people are saying uh be part of this uh, this is a chance to make your voice heard and i think people need to be prepared to take advantage of this opportunity
0: yes absolutely and one of the things that our listeners can do of course the uh, simplest thing you can do is to share this broadcast, share this show around and others like it. You know, Get that on your social media because we're going to share it. We always share what we do, but we suffer under shadow bans and algorithmic uh, suppression and all this. So we really need the listeners to make sure and share the broadcast, share the, the, the blog posts and the articles, And all the speeches, I've got uh, some audio from some of the speakers that uh, were there today, like George Galloway, former MP, and Chris Williamson. So um, in the next segment of the show, I'm going to be joined by our roving correspondent for culture and sport, Mr. Basil Valentine, uh, coming up soon here. And we're going to play those clips and, and react to them so... I want to make sure all the listeners stick around for the next segment of the show and, and do share this around. And, uh, furthermore, come up with innovative ideas, you know, execute that idea that, that Lee just threw out there and, and other ones come up with similar ones and, you know, band together, see what, uh, you can do to do your part. Cause this isn't about, uh, Assange himself. I mean, it is, but it's about all of us. And even if you have a hard line view, on Assange, and you don't like the fact that he published stuff that should have remained classified, arguably, um, it doesn't matter. Think about your own kids. Think about your brother, your sister, your mom, your dad, your family members, your friends. If one of them, if this, if we let this happen, uh, you could lose your friends and family members in the future for just making a tweet, for making a Facebook post. I mean, this is where this is headed, because this is really aimed at non-mainstream outlets and that is not just you know places like alternate current radio that is just people with social media accounts at this point
1: yeah a hundred percent and that that's why it's been and by the way people should uh, just to face people really if you're going to be playing clips from uh, chris williamson's and and galloway speeches people should stick around i'm telling you that galloway speech was uh epic that was that was a a, a short concise uh Powerful speech uh, by by like I say just uh, one of the great orators of our time, George Galloway, who evis- of course eviscerated the U.S. Senate years ago on Iraq, and he's completely right, and that's that's what's at stake now. So p- people should stick around. It was it was amazing. Why? You know, I'm I, I'm honored and privileged to know George and, and can, you know consider us friends, and he does too. But boy, boy, that was a good speech. That was just great.
0: All right, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I uh, haven't had a chance to listen to the file yet. I'm not sure if Patrick grabbed him on the side and recorded this or if that was of his actual speech to the crowd there, but I'm looking forward to hearing whatever he's collected from George there. And, uh, well, yeah, go ahead. No, well,
1: I'm I'm about to put up on my Twitter, which is at Stranahan, the beginning bit of George's speech, the first two minutes. People should just go listen to that. It's It, it really is a skiller.
0: Oh, excellent. Okay, great. So at Stranahan, everybody out there uh, on Twitter, be sure and follow that one if you're not already and retweet that one. See if we can get that to go far and wide uh, as well as the link for this episode once it becomes available and it will be available uh, very shortly after the live broadcast. And... Uh, uh, just for a moment here, Lee, let me let me remind the audience they're listening to Sunday Wire on AlternateCurrentRadio.com and 21stCenturyWire.com. We started a little bit early today uh, so that we could get some live on-the-scene reporting from Patrick Henningsen and our current guest, Lee Stranahan, who are reporting uh, from very near to where Julian Assange is being held at the Bella Marsh... Uh, <laughs> uh, uh what'd you call it again the britmo britmo that's right it's britmo (laughs) yeah uh similar conditions to a gitmo sort of prison but uh in the uk there so unfortunately that is where assange finds himself uh since thursday so lee um we'll probably be getting into our next segment soon but i'll give it over to you for any final thoughts or any any other uh anything else you want to you know bring up with regards to this case
1: Oh well, well, just one other thing I got to tell people that, that if they think that the Assange issue is separate from the other issues that they care about, that they're probably not right. <laughs> in other words, Assange has gone straight to the heart of the military industrial complex, and that to me is the is the fundamental issue facing uh, the world right now is are we going to be run by the military-industrial complex, or are we going to keep them in check? It is, to me, if you're... I don't care if you're on the left or right. If you're on the right, you probably don't like taxes and regulations and stuff like that. Okay? Great. The military-industrial complex is socialism. Forget AOC. <laughs> Who gets more money? <laughs> right? It's not even close. This is, this is the biggest waste. Now, if you're on the left, obviously, you've got a, you've got a different set of views but you also believe in human rights and and everything else and again the anti the anti-war movement the anti-military and it's not even anti-war uh, it is but it, it's this anti-war machine it's a complete machine that is financially i, you know, I live in washington dc now and i can see I'll, I'll give you one story and then and, and, and then i appreciate you having me on and, and again I, I appreciate the work you're doing, Hasher, and, love hanging out with Patrick. I'll give you one story. I moved to Washington two years ago. My commute home from work, I live in Virginia. Here's what my commute is. Cross the Potomac. Over on the right, there's the Pentagon. Over on the left is Boeing, the big Boeing building. About ten seconds past that on the highway, you can see the Lockheed Martin building. And then you see all these office buildings, and that's where all the think tanks are. Okay? These think tanks, these pro-military think tanks. Then, about another 30 seconds away, get off the highway there, is the Porsche dealership. (laughs) (laughs) No fooling. That's exactly what's in. I live in a park called Crystal City, right across from Lockheed Martin. If you want to understand the swamp, that's the swamp. That is the swamp that we all hate. And the only way to end it is to end the war machine. And the only way to do that is to get active and show no fear in the face of
0: these bullies absolutely lee absolutely and that war machine you know a lot of uh, i think a lot of times people think when they think about war they only think about you know world war one world war two vietnam korea you know these these larger conflicts you know iraq afghanistan but we're constantly involved in some way shape or form with almost all of the conflicts that are happening, and a lot of them aren't reported on as war. And then this can even go just strictly to, uh, like you were saying, like starving out the castles when it comes to sanctions or things like that. I mean, all of these things are acts of war, including some of the media reporting. There is media reporting that is straight up, false and promoting a lot of these things and uh i would maintain that those are acts of war also being committed on people's televisions in their newspapers right in front of them every day
1: yeah this is an information war no doubt about it this is a war of information and that's why i say they control the left and the control the right and the only way to break out of the american propaganda machine is to start to realize where the left and the right The establishment actually agree, and 100%. If you want to see Chuck Schumer and Donald Trump and Nancy Pelosi and Mitch McConnell all get along, it's on issues like Venezuela, it's on issues like endless war, Syria. That's where they all agree.
0: Exactly exactly all right lee well hey thank you so much for being with us here and doing what you do and getting out there you know making the trip over there uh and and supporting assange and being there with patrick and the rest of the people out there we really appreciate what you're doing and your time here today on sunday wire live thanks asher all right okay we'll talk to you again soon keep up the good work okay everybody we're going to take a quick station break over here and we're going to connect with basil valentine the sunday wire roving correspondent for culture and sport and we'll be right back with you here at alternatecurrentradio.com and 21stcenturywire.com i'm your guest host hesher and we'll be right back
1: thank you for your support to help us on our journey please go to AlternateCurrentRadio.com forward slash donate. That's AlternateCurrentRadio.com forward slash donate.